This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Welcome back. Today is Thursday. And our share on Thursday is a share in Sefer Mishlei. We're given by Rav Shlomo Dov Rosen. Welcome back to our Shurim on Mishlei. In this shiur we shall study the fourth poem of the book, which comprises the entire second chapter. It's quite long, and there's quite a bit to do. So we'll do our best to get through the whole thing in our allotted half an hour, but we'll work quite fast. Let's begin with running through the chapter, and then we will break up each verse and try to think about what it means. My son, if you take my words and guard my commands, to listen to wisdom and to turn your heart to understanding. If you call out to understanding, if you look for it like money, like wealth, and you search like for treasure, then you will understand the fear of God and you will attain spiritual knowledge. For God gives wisdom. From his mouth is understanding. He will guard deep understanding for those who are moral. And it will be a guard to those who go with simplicity. To guard the ways of justice and the ways of his servants. Then you shall understand the ways of justice. When wisdom comes into your heart and knowledge is pleasant. Planning shall guard you. To guard you from a bad way. From a man who speaks overturningly things. Turning things round. People leaving the ways of justice to go in dark ways. They are glad to do bad. They are gladdened when things turn over badly. Their ways are broken off, are corrupt. To save you from a bad woman, from a stranger, tricking you. One who has left the prince of her youth, and her God. Her home brings to death. Those who go that way shall never come back. In order that you go in the ways of the good and guard the ways of the righteous. For those who are just shall live in the land those who are simple spiritually speaking 
will remain on it. But those who are wicked will be broken off the land. Now, let's think about this. This poem basically breaks into two about the halfway mark. But there's a lot in the first half that we have to think about very seriously. As we spoke about last week, this poem, chapter 2, responds to the previous poem, which was the second half of chapter 1. We followed quite a bit in our last shi'or the position of the Ralbag. The Ralbag holds that the previous poem spoke about natural wisdom. Wisdom that calls out from the natural world, that comes out like a well. We saw, That wisdom calls out to spirituality. And this poem is the response to that. It is the spiritual response. It is spiritual wisdom. Or for somebody like the Raul Bag, it is spiritual philosophy, metaphysics. Let's begin at the beginning, work through each verse, and think about how we could string them together with this meaning. My son, if you take my words and guard my mitzvot, the Vilna Gaon says here, points out, like in other places earlier, that the first is knowledge, Torah, and the second is mitzvot. What is the difference? Mitzvot are something that titzbon, you guard, treasure, store on the side. When you study a mitzvah, you can't necessarily bring it to fruition immediately. You have to wait for an opportunity. But wisdom is always there. It always needs to be developed and it always takes care of you. Lakshiv lachochma oznecha tate libcha latavuna To listen to wisdom. To turn your heart to deep understanding. And what is the difference between these two halves? So Rabbein Yoda points out, as does the Rasag, in a slightly different way, that first you must listen to wisdom. You must study from another. The next stage is to delve deeper into the ideas behind that wisdom. And that is something you do alone. If Rabbein Yoda said in the previous chapter that through study you then get your own creative voice. So here he speaks of through study from others you then get the chance to meditate upon what you have studied. Verse 3 If you call out to understanding. In the previous poem we spoke about how wisdom calls out to you. And now we speak about your call as a response to wisdom. And what wisdom were we speaking about in the previous poem? We spoke about natural wisdom, science, psychology, sociology. Those natural forms of wisdom, not religious knowledge, that calls out to you and calls to you to make something of your life, to become spiritual. And therefore, in this response, the person now calls back. You call back, you respond. And in what way do you respond? through deepening your search into Vakshena Chakase if you look for it like money like wealth Vachamatmonim Tachbesena and you search like for treasure what is the difference between Vakshena Chakase 
אין כמעט מונים כך בסן. Some point out that Tvakshena Chakasef, searching for it like for wealth, relates to that which is easily apprehendable in wisdom. The Me'iri speaks about that being the Pshat, the easy reading of the Torah, and the treasure is the deeper understanding. This is connected to the Me'iri's general approach as an Aristotelian philosopher. looking at things very philosophically, trying to go deeper, understanding that it's only the elite who get the deeper understanding, and we'll see this idea later on. In Rabbeinu Yonah, who's more of a pietist, a very different idea is presented here. He says, what is the difference between someone searching for wealth and searching for treasure? Searching for wealth is a general, long effort involving many years, Searching for treasure is a specific looking in a particular place where you know you are likely to find something which will excite you. The first is sustained, sustained labor. And the second, looking for a treasure, is very exciting. He said, if you want to succeed in studying for spiritual knowledge, you must combine the two. On the one hand, you must search with sustained labor. On the other hand, that must, if you want to really internalize it, it must be done through excitement and enjoyment. If you do that, if you call out to wisdom, if you search for it with excitement and happiness, then Pasukhe, this famous Pasuk, Az tavin yirat Adonai v'da'at Elohim timsa, then you shall understand the fear of God and you shall find spiritual knowledge, Da'at Elohim. Da'at Elohim, spiritual knowledge, can be taken very philosophically, presumably is the spiritual aspect of this poem, as opposed to the previous one, the previous poem that spoke about natural wisdom. Here we speak about spiritual knowledge. And that perhaps is the matmon, is the treasure, and perhaps the yirat Hashem, The first half of the Pasuk, mirroring the first half of the previous verse, is the wealth. Yerat Hashem might be the general wealth, your fear of God, that's what you attain, that's what you get, but the deeper thing that you will sometimes find, the treasure that you will find on occasion, is Da'at Elohim, knowledge of God. Da'at Elohim, therefore, is beyond Yerat Hashem, and indeed, Rabbeinu Yonah, here, develops what later on in Jewish philosophy, coming from this Pasuk, later on in Jewish philosophy becomes one of the most central ideas later on, for example, in Chassidut, is originally developed here by Rabbi Yonah on this Pasuk. He explains that Da'at Elohim is the deeper form of fear of God. Fear of God is perhaps a lower level. But Da'at Elohim is what, he, what later becomes in Jewish thought, Yir'at HaRomamut. the fear which is really awe, an appreciation of God's greatness. And that is something you attain through study, through advancing in thought. Now why is this? In Pasuk Vav, Ki Adonai Yitain Chochmah Mipiv Da'at Utvuna. What does that mean? God gives wisdom, it is from His mouth, knowledge and understanding. 
Vnei'iri points out here that this is an argument against the concept of pure will. Later on, by the time we study this, this is known as a Calvinist idea, although at the time of the Ne'iri this was known as an idea of the Ashariya quoted in the Mornavuchim. There have always been positions outside Judaism, later on in some Protestant thought like Calvin, that God acts by pure will. That in order to free God from human rationality, God must be above common sense. God must be above rationality. God must be pure will. Almost, and sometimes explicitly, arbitrary. And here, according to the Me'iri, the Pasuk is coming to say, for God doesn't give something arbitrary, it's not pure will. Ki yiten That which comes from his mouth. Prophecy. And what he gives, wisdom, is sensible. Is knowledge is understanding. But in relationship to what we have said before, this Pasuk is basically telling you that unlike natural wisdom, spiritual knowledge depends on God's wanting to give it to you. You can call out to it, but that calling out, as some Mephashim point out, is a form of tefillah. It's prayer. Because God will choose to give it to you. And the next Pasuk, he will treasure away in store for those who are moral, who those who are just. Tushia. Tushia. Although in modern Hebrew means something else, more practical. Many Mephoshim point out, many commentators point out, that this seems to mean the deeper forms of knowledge and wisdom. Tushia, that which is guarded in Rashi, that which was guarded, and Mitzudot, that which was guarded 26 generations. God gave the Torah. Revelation did not come at the beginning of human culture. It was guarded for those who would be ready for it. Yitzpon laisharim tushia magain lehol And what is the difference between the first half of this verse and the second half? Well, let's think in the previous verse. God gives wisdom. It is from his mouth, knowledge and understanding. To some extent, Pasuk Vav, that we have just returned to, mirrors Pasuk Bet. You listen to wisdom, and then you turn your heart to understanding. So God also, he gives you wisdom, and from his mouth is understanding. And here what do we have in Pasuk Zayin? God guards the deeper understanding for those who are just. And his words are a magain for Holchetom. They are a shield, a defense for those who go with simplicity. That's the positive simplicity. Tom is the opposite of petty. Petty is somebody who is easily led astray simplistic. Tom is somebody who is religiously simple. But Tom is not the same as Yashar, as Rabbeinu Yonah points out in several places. Yashar is somebody who is just, somebody who is developed. And Tom is somebody who has simplistic religion but not a negative form of religion, a simplistic piety. And if the previous Pasuk mirrored Bet, then this Pasuk now mirrors Aleph, the first Pasuk, where we spoke about listening to the words of God and then guarding the mitzvot. And here the same word appears again, Yitzpon, like Titzpon, you guard, in this first Pasuk we read, you guard the mitzvot, God will guard the deepest wisdom for you. It is only if 
you make yourself a moral person that God will give you that deeper wisdom explained philosophically in the Raal Bagheer but doesn't have to be understood only philosophically this is the most obvious pietistic argument God will guard the deepest wisdom for those who are moral and what is the difference between that and the second half a shield for those who go with simplicity and here are the, sorry, the Mi'iri points out a very important point that mitzvot, the Torah acts upon you depending on your personality and your level some or sometimes we are on the level of the Yesharim who receive the Tushiyah they receive that which is guarded away that God, sa- God saves for you deep spiritual knowledge and ultimately the mitzvot can always be understood on that level However, some people, or understood less elitistically, sometimes we are not on that level. And then the mitzvot, when we are plain simple, when we are simply religious, piety, simple, simplistic, but good-hearted, when we are on that level, then the mitzvot act to us as a magen, as a shield for those who go with simplicity. The mitzvot act on two levels. You can go into the deeper meaning. But sometimes you're not ready for that. And even when you are not, the mitzvot act as a shield, as a defense, gives structure to your life, gives meaning. The next puzzle could be read in several ways, depending on how you understand its relationship to this one. The second half of the puzzle certainly is telling us that God guards the ways of his righteous and that might be a response to the second half of the previous passage that God lets the mitzvot function as shield for those who go with religious simplicity however to guard the ways of justice is read by commentators in several directions either this is a continuation of what the human beings are supposed to do all this is part of what God does for the human beings to guard the ways of justice and this leads on to the next pasuk then you shall understand tzedek, mishpat and meisharim all good ways tzedek, mishpat and meisharim we read about in the very first poem that is part of what you get from wisdom part of Musar Hasker Tzedek, Mishpat and Meisharim and we saw that although in the literal explanation these are forms of justice in courts of law Tzedek, Mishpat and Meisharim can also be understood as aspects of one's personal development indeed the Rabad here understands that what we are saying is a standard philosophical argument that moral and political philosophy comes out of more general metaphysical philosophy it is through a spiritual approach to life that you can come to a practical moral and political philosophy and that is the relationship between the previous pasukim of Az Tavin Yirat Hashem and the pasuk Tet which you are now reading Az Tavin Sedek Mishpat Meisharim there's the Az Tavin then you shall understand spiritual knowledge and only then as Tavin the response of Pasuket then you will understand practical knowledge practical philosophy that must come through a deep 
understanding of the world. But it's more complex. Because the next Pasuk, Pasuk Yud, opens with the word Ki. And just as at the beginning of Pasuk, Vav, Ki, for, can be read as for God, it can also give wisdom, it can also be read as when God gives wisdom. And if here the word Ki means when, it can be read in both directions. Is it this, the previously discussed aspects will happen when the next thing happens or when this thing happens then the next piece will happen in other words Pasuk Yud opening with Ki which means when can be read as the finale the end of the previous part of the poem or the beginning of the second half and indeed it is at the pivot we would suggest presumably that it is doing both simultaneously and what does it say? Ki when ki tavo chokma velibecha v'daat lenafshecha yinam. When wisdom comes into your heart, and knowledge is pleasant for your soul. Now, the first thing we have to notice about this pasuk is that it's inverted, or at least it seems the opposite of what we would expect. We would expect to hear that wisdom is pleasant and knowledge comes into your heart. When knowledge comes into your heart, wisdom, the deeper ideas, become pleasant and enjoyable. But that is not what it says. It says, when wisdom comes into your heart, knowledge will be pleasant for your soul. I would suggest something very simple here. We are usually mistaken about this. It is when wisdom comes into your heart that the particular points of knowledge that before were disparate, unsettled, particular pieces of knowledge in your soul become pleasant. They interlock and connect. It is when the deeper wisdom comes in, you see the whole picture. It is then that the particular points of knowledge, particular aspects and mitzvot of the Torah receive meaning in that context. Mishpatei Hashem emet tzadku yachtav. The mishpatim of God are true. They make sense when read together. And when that wisdom becomes pleasant in your soul, when the knowledge is pleasant and interconnected and makes sense to you, then, planning will save you. It will guard you. We'll, we will receive that guarding that is spoken about. But it is only when it is pleasant for you. It is only when it makes sense for you. In other words, this pasuk in the middle, pasuk yud, is read both backwards as the end of the previous part to say that it must be pleasant for all these things to happen spiritually, all the spiritual knowledge to enter you into your soul. However, it is also the beginning of the second half, telling you in what way will the Torah, knowledge, spiritual knowledge, deep philosophy, in what way will that save you in the practical world? Which is what the second half is about. It will save you when it is pleasant for you. tishmo alecha tevuna 
Now let's move very fast through the second half of this poem because we have very little time. Now, before we get deep into it, we must notice one thing. Some people are slightly turned off parts of Mishle because of the gendered aspect. Often, we speak about the terrible woman coming to seduce you. So let me just point something very simple out. Until rather recently, the only person reading Mishle would, generally speaking, be a man. And therefore, the gendered element is very, very simple. The man can imagine a woman representing something leading him astray, just like a woman could, represent, could imagine a man. Because we're reading ancient wisdom, which was written some 3,000 years ago, it's necessary to enter into their social assumptions. However, in this particular piece, if you look very carefully, you notice that the bad woman, the dangerous woman, is actually only four verses. And it is preceded by a bad man of four verses. Just usually we drop the gendered element because we don't notice it. To keep you away, to save you from a bad way. From a man speaking ta'apuchot. Now, ta'apuchot is going to be an important word. It's going to appear again in Pasuk Yodale, two Pesukim later. However, it also says something very basic about pretty much all of the second half of the verses in the next few lines. For the next few lines, a good part of the rest of the poem, you can understand always the first half of the verse to relate to the simple form of badness and the second half of the verse to relate for the sly, tricking, undermining, corrupt form of badness. Because always badness, like good, comes in two ways, the direct and the indirect. To keep you away from bad ways. People get bad habits. That's very simple, that's explicit, that's direct. From a man speaking tapuchot. Hafuch means something turned over. Topsy-turvy, undermining you through corrupting, indirectly, tricking and sly. Those leaving the ways of justice that we spoke about earlier, to go in the ways of darkness. And now Pasuk Yodalit, those who are happy to do bad, that's direct. They are happy to do bad. As commentators point out, the second half is no longer direct. They will become gladdened when things turn out badly. The same word, sly, trickery, turning things over. In other words, the difference between the first half of the verse here, like in the previous ones, and the second half might be that the second is something indirect. Things turn out. People plan things badly. Things turn out bad. And when they turn out bad, it's the bad person who gets happy. To a degree, this pasuk is the negative side of what we've seen earlier, that wisdom is supposed to be pleasant for you, that you're supposed to be happy over it. However, it's more than that. It's telling you about a particular dangerous type of mistake. Now, some understand, for example, the Ralbag understands, that Yagilu Betapuchotra is talking about somebody who is bad, somebody who is morally corrupt, is happy when your mm-hmm. philosophical discussions, your thoughts, turn out corrupt. The corrupting of thought by mistaken thought. In other words, according to the Ralbag, the philosopher, these four psukim relate metaphorically 
two bad forms of reasoning, negative forms of thought, whereas the later ones speak about people's tendency to be led astray by desires. And according to that, the bad man that we are dealing with now relates to the bad people that could lead you astray, relates to bad philosophy, whereas the bad woman later to desires. Obviously that's gendered because of the people who are the assumed readers. Let's carry on. Two things here. Their ways are not right, are not straight. Nulozim is breaking off completely from the way, something completely indirect. Now the second group of four. Now, we speak here about a bad woman, and as Rashi points out here, it makes no sense at all to assume that such complex poetry was written for somebody just to learn, um, you know, not to misbehave. It must be something much deeper. Somebody like Rashi understands that we're talking about Abu Dazara, secular culture, or bad culture, heretical culture. Somebody else, like the Rabbi, can understand that we're talking about desires. Either way, these next four psukim are understood by almost everybody, presumably everybody, metaphorically, and so will later parts of Mishlei that again deal with this bad woman. But what kind of bad woman is being presented here allegorically? There are two, actually. Again, the first half of the pasuk is the simple and direct, and the second is the undermining indirect. Latzucha to save you meishazara. Ishazara is a woman who is strange to you. Zar is not negative. Like anybody who is not a Kohen is called in the Mishnah a Zar. Somebody who is strange to that work. work. He is a stranger in the Bet Mikdash. So Ishazara is not a bad woman, but rather not your wife. In other words, somebody else's wife. There's nothing wrong with that person. The problem is only their relationship to you. Nochria is a complete stranger, usually understood as somebody who is, in the case of Jews, somebody who is a Gentile. Amareha Hechelika, on the second half, her speech, she is making slippery. Sly. Lachlik means to slip. In other words, the first half of the verse is talking just about not being led astray by something which is not right for you. Whereas the second half of the verse relates to something which is really not right for you in a deep sense. It is of another nation. It is something completely distinct from you. It is something completely wrong for you. It is actually trying to undermine you. It is slippery. It is tricking. We must note, generally speaking, however we are to understand allegorically these psukim, there are always these two types of things. There are some forms of desire or some forms of secular culture which are negative per se in themselves. They are obvious, often undermining, corrupting you. And some which are not bad in themselves. They are simply not right for you. They will undermine, undermine your plan of life. Sometimes we don't notice that those types which are not bad in themselves are harder for us to keep away from. It is harder for us to notice their danger. And now the next pasuk again. Ha'ozevet aluf norea, she has left the prince of her youth, ve'et barit eloheha shachicha, and the covenant of a god she has forgotten. Now, the perush miyuchat the Ibn Ezra points out that rit elokea can simply be marriage. However, as opposed to in Christianity and Judaism, we don't usually talk about marriage as a covenant with God, as some kind of covenant. 
in that sense. And therefore it's quite likely Brit Elokeha Shachecha is the covenant of God. If that is to say, it is again parallel to the second half of the previous verse. Nochriya Amareha Hechelika. This is a form of being led astray away from the religion itself. As opposed to the first half, which is simply leaving that which was right for you. Kishachal Mavet Betavel Rafai Maglotah. Her home leads down to death. Or as one of the Mephashim point out, Shacha is like making a slope, a midron, perhaps a slippery slope. Rafaim are those who die out of weakness. Ghosts. Okay? Die out of weakness. What does that mean? That means sometimes it's death, and sometimes it isn't. It's simply just a waste of time. It weakens you. Ruins your life wastes your energies those who go that way will never get to the ways of life and what are the ways of life in order that you go in the ways of good and now the last two psukim this is very important and it's important for us to relate them back to what we saw in Pasuk Zayn what does that mean? For those who are just shall live in the land. Yishkenu shall live, shall dwell in the land. Utmimim yivatruva. What are tmimim? Tmimim, those who are simple, religiously simple in the positive sense. Tamim tiyem Hashem elokecha, the Pasuk tells us. You must be simple in the positive sense with your God. There is no way to say it in English. That is similar to Magen Lo'ochei in Pasuk Zayin. There are the Yisharim, which is the first of Pasuk Zayin. It's Bon Sharim to Shia. But there are also the Magen Lo'ochei which are mirrored here with Tmimim Yivatruva. What is the difference between a Yashar and a Tamim? Yashar is active. He is just. A Tamim is somebody who is simple, religious, full of piety and goodness and good-heartedness, but not necessarily developed intellectually, not necessarily done something so much with it. What a person gets is exactly in line with his character. A yashar gets to live in the land. That's active. That's what God gives him. A tamim, somebody who is simple, he is not active, but he's good. He gets to remain in the land. Yivatruva will remain in the land. If you are active, God returns something positive in the active. If you are passive but good, God returns you something in the passive. Always what you receive is by the nature of what you have done. Ureshaim and your character. Ureshaim me'eret yikaretu. Again, parallel to the first half of the previous pasuk, this last one, Kafet. People who are wicked will be broken off, will be cut off from the land. The opposite of Yishkinu Aret. Now what Bogdim means is unclear, but Yishumimena means like to be pushed off, to slip off. And therefore, the impression you get is that Bogdim, usually understood now as traitors, probably means something passive in the form of being negative. Sometimes a traitor doesn't involve that much action. It can be an almost passive form of badness, to be a double agent in the most passive senses. And therefore, what we're saying is that those who are righteous are mirrored by those who are wicked. And those who are tamim, 
Those who are good in their simplicity are mirrored by the Bogdin, the people who simply don't live up to the standards. And in each case, what you get is the same as what you give because it goes by your character. You live in the land. You dwell in the land. You make something of the land, of the world, if you are just. And you are pushed off the land. Sorry, you are cut away from the land, God forbid, if you are wicked. And if you are simply just, in a simple sense, you get to live there where you get pushed off in the softest sense, in an almost passive manner. Again, Mishlei is telling us that what you get is exactly in line with what you give. And what you make of the world is exactly what the world makes of you. However, this perk has done something slightly beyond what we've seen until now. We have now entered into the more spiritual parts of Mishlei, when we delve into spiritual knowledge, into philosophy in the religious sense and we are told how to achieve that and what it does for you that it comes from the mouth of God and it depends on you calling back to nature and ultimately it guards you both from philosophical mistakes both from religious mistakes and being led astray and also for being led astray from your desires and from meaningless things in life hope we all have a meaningful week Take care.